everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Exploit It. I'm Alexis Chowski. And I remain, as always, Kevin Daly. <laughs> and this week we are talking about Santa Sangre from 1989, directed by Alejandro Jodorowsky. Alejandro Jodorowsky, Santa Sangre. So yeah, Jodorowsky is a character. I mean, I mean not in this one, but no. But the rest of his family is. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have Axel, a.k.a. Cristobal Jodorowsky, who passed away this past week, sadly. So uh, we killed one. Sorry. Yeah. Cause of death is listed as unknown, and I'm like, oh, it's known. We discussed oh. him, and so he died. We have that's that a, habit. That's uh, not the first time. I'm sure it will not be the last time. It's got uh, Teo Jodorowsky's in it, and Don Jodorowsky. All of those are Alejandro's sons. There's a, a, a niece he has called Noah. So, no, it's a granddaughter, Alma, but she's not in this movie. There is an Alma, just not his Alma. I'm guessing his daughter was probably named after a character in his own movie. 
That's a grand, to guess. It's a granddaughter. <laughs> granddaughter. Yeah, Jodorowsky, interesting career because he um he was born in Chile to Jewish Ukrainian parents, grew up there, moved to France where he was a mime, <laughs> and he did a lot of like performance art, and then he eventually came up to Mexico where he started his film career with El Topo, The Holy Mountain, some other things. Eventually, Santa Sangre, Dune happened. And then didn't happen somewhere before this. Yes. But let's get into Santa Sangre. Um, it opens with a naked dude in a tree. Yep, and I'm like, this is how this uh, this movie's going to go, I guess. Yep. Just a dude hanging dong in a tree. All right, let's go. <laughs> and that's Axel Jodorowsky as our main character, Phoenix. Which, it's spelled with an F, but the name itself has symbolism. <laughs> Isn't I mean isn't that a I don't I don't I know that spelling is used. Yeah, it is. Is used. it a is it a is it a a Spanish spelling of the word? You know it could be because there is like a Phoenix, Texas, right? That's spelled the same way. Yeah, but I mean the name itself does refer to the the Firebird. Yeah, I just don't. Maybe there's I don't think the pH is something that a lot of languages. So it's probably yeah. And so he I guess thinks he's a bird. That would uh, appear to be the case, yes. Yep, and so the orderlies come in and they're like, please eat like a human being. Um, one of those orderlies, by the way, is Brontus Jodorowsky. <laughs> huh. Continuing. How, how do you think Brontus felt about getting like the bit part while the rest of his family is getting like leads? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was fine with it. Maybe he didn't want to do it at all and his dad's like, please, please. Maybe. Or maybe he was super salty. But they they try to get Phoenix to behave like a human, because I guess he believes he's a bird. And they're acting like, you have to do this. I'm like, you're not really hurting anyone. Just let him be a bird. Yeah, you gave him the tree, okay? Yeah, you let him, you let him sit naked on a tree and just kind of let him go. And they rip open his shirt because they're trying to make him wear clothes. No, they don't not rip open his shirt. He's naked. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's nude. And he's got this bird tattoo, which fades into, like, this eagle. Right. And we have the eagle POV. And the bongos start, and I miss the silence of the uh, early part of the movie. Yeah, because it's just loud bongo music as this eagle flies around, and we we meet the, the Circo del Gringo. Uh, white dude circus. Yeah, and he is which a is white just, dude. Which is just life in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get this big circus parade um, with all the clowns, and they're they're advertising the circus. And they mention the uh, the child ma- magician Phoenix, who has this like fake mustache on. It is like kind of disturbing, actually. And his best friend is a dwarf named Aladdin. Yep. Who's apparently the world's smallest elephant tamer. Do we see him doing any elephant taming? No, we don't see him do anything. He just kind of was like... He's like Phoenix's sidekick. Yeah. Kind of getting into some like fantasy island territory here. And we meet the, the gringo of Circo del Gringo, who's named Orgo. This guy made me want to vomit every second he was on the scene. <laughs> oh, this guy is. is fucking disgusting. He's... Well, his name comes from Ogro, 
Which means ogre. Ogre, ogre, yeah. Well, that's about right. And he's like laying passed out in a car just drinking straight from the bottle. Phoenix comes up and he's like, Dad, Dad, wake up. And he's like, ah, fuck off, kid. And Aladdin asks, like, why does your dad drink so much? Why is your dad such a son of a bitch? He's like, well, my mother says he killed a woman in America and can't go back. <laughs> a good guy, yep. That's yep. a nice dude. Mm-hmm. And also, he weighs like 400 pounds. He's a big man. He's, he's thick. Yeah. And, um, so Aladdin tries to cheer up Phoenix, like, let's go see the tattooed woman. Who, the tattooed woman is no better. She's, she's evil too. <laughs> she's evil, but not quite as disgusting. She's got, like, this adopted daughter. You know, not even really adopted daughter, just this young girl she takes care of. <laughs> uh, let me, let me, let me go back. He, she's not as obviously disgusting yet. Yeah, she does become awful and disgusting. Well, I mean, even her opening, I, she's whipping this girl while whipping at her. I suppose that's true. Because Alma is, well, she's a deaf mute, so she, of course she's painted up like a mime. And the tattooed woman is trying to get her to tight rope across this flaming rope, which, of course, this little girl's afraid to do. Fire hurts. Yeah, and ta- fire hurts. <laughs> and um, then when Orgo comes in, Tattooed Woman is all over him. Yeah, I don't know if they had some sort of relationship before, but it sounds like she's new and she's just like, I'm going to get up in on this because... I'm going to fuck the owner or something. Yeah, that's pretty much it. She, and she uh, backs that ass up. Yeah, well, first she she takes off her clothes while she's just, like, basically in a bikini, and we see her whole body's tattooed, obviously. They're a nice tattoo. It's, I, I appreciate the artwork. <laughs> and these clowns all run up on her, admiring the tattoos. They're like, ooh, look, the ocean. There's a peacock and a fish. And, and it's so weird. Oh, the clowns in this movie. Oh, the clowns are fucking... I mean, later I get it, but the first part of the movie, they're just fucking ridiculous. Like clowns are, though. That's true. Because they're just admiring her tattoos. And there's the knife throwing. Yeah. It's kind of important. Um, We loop back around to that eventually, yeah. Yeah, because... Orgo was also the, the knife thrower, and he throws knives at the tattooed woman who just seductively, like, licks one knife and kind of pantomimes dry-humping another. Yeah, well, and fucking Orgo is, like, obsessed with knives, like... Yeah. He's got knives with him, like, constantly. And, you know, young Phoenix looks at this and doesn't quite understand the sexuality of it. But then he runs up to Alma and does a magic trick for her. And the music here that's playing, I love this music. Um, I love the music throughout the whole movie, actually. Music is done by a conductor named Simon Boswell. Yeah, the music's good. I could have done without the bongos earlier on, but yeah, so in yeah. general, I like the music. And so the uh, attention she gets from Phoenix inspires Alma to actually tightrope across the, the flaming rope. <laughs> And then we have a commercial break because the next scene's actually pretty fucking big. <laughs> Hello, Mexico. This is Ogre. Oh, 
Years ago, I murdered a woman in America. And I could never return, so that is your good fortune, Mexico. Because now I can bring you my Christmas Del Grano exclusively to you. I, th I throw some knives around, that's pretty cool. My wimpy little kid to some magic tricks. We got a mime and a, just a shit ton of clowns. <clears throat> My wife does some acrobatic stuff with her hair. We also got this new ad, this tattoo lady. The sexy lady covered in tattoos, tattoos everywhere. <clears throat> and for the right price, you can see every tattoo. That's. El Circus Del Grano. Forming this weekend in some fucking parking lot. We got a tent set up and a big ass elephant. At least I think we still do. Things been looking pretty sickly lately. Can't miss it. It's that's the El Christmas Del Grando. Hope to see you there. And we're back. The church scene. <laughs> yeah, so this is a thing. We meet Concha, who is Phoenix's mother. And she runs a cult. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, um, this landowner's wanting to tear down this church. and Ostensibly, they're Catholics. Yeah, it's a very Catholic-looking church. And... You know, they're out there like, no, 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 this is a church, you can't tear it down. And the Monsignor shows up. I'd like to point out they tried to defend their church with the power of mariachi music. They do. Actually, I wrote this song that's the Santa Sangre song, <laughs> which is called At the End of the World. Oh, that's cool. See, I, I, I don't speak Spanish, I can't read Spanish, so I, I feel like I missed some things. Some of the the songs were mostly sung in Spanish, so I think I missed some stuff. Well, I looked up the soundtrack, and a person in the comments had translated it. It's not uh, like yeah. I just knew it. <laughs> I mean, I knew what El Fin del Mundo means, but that was about it. And um, it's actually really neat cinematography with the mariachi band. Because she's like, we are not afraid of you, and she spreads her arms out, the camera pan zooms out, and there's the mariachi band, and they just all break out into their song. And so the Monsignor's like, I, I come, I bring peace, you know, and he's like a go-between between the cops and the construction crew and the, you know, disciples of Concha here. Yeah. And he's like, show me your temple. And he's nice, even though he's got this, like, young boy in tow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we know what that guy is for. Yeah. He's the Monsignor's boy. <laughs> That's right. And all that entails. But he's nice to her. He's like, show me your temple. And she's like, oh, this is our our patron saint. I found the use of the word temple to be odd, odd kind of an odd choice. <laughs> Yes, because they're not really a church. <laughs> but she explains their patron saint, 
because um, they have this shrine with this like doll that has no arms, and we get the the history of Lirio, which means Lily, by the way. Oh. Um, she was this young schoolgirl that was raped and dismembered by the Toronto brothers, and we see like the uh, the artwork that they've painted. There's a name for that type of artwork that you see, like, in uh, Catholic churches that have, like, the Stations of the Cross with the artwork. Yeah. They're, like, frescoes or something. Right. Catholics always have walked this weird fine line between idol worship and veneration. It's like, you're not not supposed to venerate anybody else but God, but also the saints are cool. Like, you can pray to the saints. It's very, very... uh... Very weird. It is very weird. But they've made this saint of Lirio. And um, the Monsignor's like, well, this is bullshit. That's no saint. You can't just make up a saint. Right. And she's like, oh, yeah, and there's a miracle because this young girl's blood continues to flow up from the ground. And they have this big pool of Santa Sangre, holy blood. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's the name. Ah. Yeah. And... um. The, the monsignor goes down and is like, this is paint. No, it's holy blood. It's holy blood. He's like, you crazy woman. I mean, Catholics believe in transubstantiation, though. So is paint becoming blood that different than, like, wine becoming blood? True. And all the, the Santo Sangre people are just, holy blood. They're screaming holy blood. They start baptizing this girl in it. Yeah. It, yeah, kind of weird. And, um... A Monsignor tells his boy, he says, come on, Kevin, I don't want this to sully your young soul with this blasphemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wrote it down. Come, Kevin, I don't want to soil your pure soul. Yeah, he wants to be the one to do, do that. <laughs> yes. And then he gets out, he's like, tear this motherfucker down. Yeah. And so they bulldoze the fucking thing. <laughs> and we see that it's like a fucking paper mache church. Yeah, it goes down pretty easy. And, you know, Conch is like, kill me, kill me, you know. Phoenix has to go up and cry all over to just to pull her away from the wreckage. And they walk home through, like, this Mexican slum where there's people drunk and playing trombone. <laughs> Trumpet, rather. Good old, good old, just a good, good time there. Yeah, some dude just, like, vomits in the street and passes yeah. out in front of him. Get drunk and play trumpet midday. It's cool. And they're dressed so weird because Phoenix is wearing his mag- magician tuxedo. Concha's wearing her, her Santa Sangre, you know. Her weird dismembered arms cultist robe. Yeah, and there's the clowns are all following them in tow, yeah. doing their clown shit. They're just goofing around the whole time. And that's when they get back to the circus, and Orgo and Tattooed Woman are really, really, they're not even flirting. They're, they're practically fucking. Yeah. <laughs> and so Concha sees her husband doing this and screams at this woman, screams at him. And we have that fucking hypnotism scene. One of two in the movie. Yeah, the other one's a lot different than this one, though. Because this one, she's all mad, and, like, he waves the knife and hypnotizes her, and the clowns are playing music the whole time. Yeah. 
I wrote, what the fuck is up with this band? <laughs> it's not like background music on the soundtrack. The clowns are literally following them around and playing music. And, um... Not the last time the clowns are going to do something fucking ridiculous. <laughs> no, these fucking clowns. Um, Concha and Orgo, they, they... I guess they reconcile and they're going to go have sex. So the clowns are playing more triumphant music. And then some other guy comes up, he's like, enough of this, don't follow them, stop playing music, fuck you guys. Right. Because apparently the clowns have to be told this. Yeah, like they were just gonna follow them and play music. Serenade them while they're fucking. (laughs) Right by the bed playing this whole band. Apparently. But Phoenix follows them and spies on his parents having sex. Which would have made me actually throw up. Yeah. Thankfully, we don't see much of it. Yeah. We don't even see nudity. She doesn't take off her robes. More importantly, we see nothing of Oreo. Yes, that's the important part. That's the by far the most important part. We see more of him later, though. Yeah. <laughs> but just as Concha has her orgasm, an elephant, you know, roars, and we find out that it's roaring in pain... It's like coughing up blood through its trunk. Yeah, and it's just screaming and, and blood's everywhere. And they're like, yes, yes, the elephant is dying. And Phoenix is like, please don't die, please don't die. But the elephant does die. Those fucking clowns come in. Before the elephant dies, it starts playing songs again. <laughs> yes. It's oh, like, dancing dude, around could, the elephant. You could wait for the elephant to die before you start playing music. <laughs> And they have a fucking funeral procession for the elephant. Everyone except the clowns are dressed in black. Well, no, no. Phoenix is wearing the Sante Sangra. Sante Sangra. And um, he's very upset and crying. And the clowns are walking around with fucking fake tears spraying out everywhere. Those clowns are method as fuck. They can't even break character for a funeral. Yeah, and. We see the elephant's huge fucking coffin. Yeah, I got a pretty big coffin. Yep. And they go up to, like, this quarry. And all these, like, this poor, poor village across the quarry. All the people come out and watch the funeral. Which is amounts to just dumping the coffin into the quarry. And all the, the townspeople cheer. And they rush out there. And they just start cutting up. They rip into this coffin. And they start ripping up the elephant meat and just tossing it to each other. Sort of like the start of Fury Road, except instead of water, it's an elephant corpse. Yeah. And, you know, Phoenix is sobbing, sobbing, and Orgo's like, shut up, you little baby. I'm gonna, I have a charm that will turn you into a man. And then we have the clowns playing more fucking music, like happy music, as they all leave the funeral. (laughs) fucking clowns, I swear. And we get the tattoo scene, which at first yeah, I, would, I, I, didn't I wouldn't know. want Orgo to be my tattoo artist. <laughs> at first, I didn't know what the hell was going on because he leads um, Phoenix into a church, an actual real brick and mortar church this time. Yeah, like like not not just a paper mache like fake cult church. No, this is a real church, and he strips off Phoenix's shirt and ties him to a chair. And then he starts giving him a tattoo of the the bird on his chest. 
Only he's using a knife. That probably wasn't sterilized. Yeah, he's just dipping the knife in ink and poking, stabbing the kid, and the kid is sobbing, just crying. And that's pretty much all we see is just a close-up of the kid's face as he's crying. Which apparently they did this by having Alejandro Jodorowsky is under the table pinching the fuck out of this kid to make him cry. Lovely. Yes. And so he has his tattoo, and he dresses him up in, like, the friggin' cowboy outfit th- that he wears. Should've just used uh, the, the eye drops like uh, One Cut of the Dead. Yeah! That would've been better than really making a kid cry. And we get the circus. These motherfuckers in really gaudy jackets now, both both Orgo and yeah, and Phoenix. They look like somebody that doesn't know what Fourth of July is, and they just show up in all this patriotism and glitter. D tier fucking uh, evil Knievels. Yeah, and um. You know, Phoenix does a magic trick at the circus where he turns Alma into his mother. Yep, mom's looking good. Yep, and she does this trick where she hangs by her hair. They just attach this thing to her hair and lift her up. And while she's spinning around, she sees Orgo and the tattooed woman just making out and he's giving her gifts. And it's not like the tattoo lady is awful, but like Contra's a lot harder. And but I think Orga will fuck anything that moves. Yeah, it's just something new. <laughs> yeah, he's just gross. And so Contra gets down and she follows them, and we have the sex scene <laughs> with Orgo and the tattooed woman, which we do see him naked now. And Contra grabs this bottle of acid. I had to look it up because it just says, acid. "Yep, it says H2SO4," which I had to Google. I actually remembered that one from my chemistry classes. Yep, and she throws the well, she tears off his hair. Apparently, <laughs> his his wig, his toupee is stitched in. <laughs> yep, and she rips it off, and then she pours the the acid all over his crotch. So now he's got no dick. Yeah, so he. Pins her up against the wall and just takes his throwing knife and one swell thing just cuts off her arms. That probably wouldn't actually work, realistically. No, you'd just really cut up her armpits. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would take a lot more effort than, than that with knives, especially going from the bottom up. Yeah, and oh yeah, Concha locked Phoenix up in a trailer. So. Yeah. He's just pounding on the window, screaming. And so, Orgo walks out just naked. With, oh. uh, with acid, destroyed dick. Yeah, stumbling around. Alma watches just wide-eyed and frightened. And there's a fucking band playing a song that does nothing. They just play this sad song on this man naked man bleeding everywhere walks past and then he sees the circus and just slits his throat and dies probably decided he didn't want to live with no dick yeah and the band keeps playing dogs come up and are licking up his blood yep and huge 
time jump here, so we're going to stop for a commercial break. Come on down to Jordowski's Bar and Grill this weekend and check out our latest new drink, the Santa Sangre Sangria. If you like our El Topo Topo Chico and our Holy Mountain Margarita, you are going to love the Santa Sangre Sangria. You see, behind our bar is a humble little temple to a saint, a young girl that was brutally murdered and dismembered. Through some miracle, her blood continues to flow from the ground to this day. We can't just let all that holy blood, that Santa Sangre, just go to waste. So why not mix it up into a drink? The Santa Sangre Sangria is made of a brandy, various different fruits, a dead girl's blood, sugar, and a Spanish red wine. So come on down to Jordowski's Bar and Grill and try out this blessed concoction, the Santa Sangre Sangria. And we're back. So now we're caught up to the present. Now we've learned Phoenix's backstory and we're back in the mental institution where they've gotten him dressed. Yes, at the very end of that, uh, the tattoo lady grabs uh, Alma and drives off. His Juliet torn from him. Oh, yeah, and he's screaming at the, the window like, no, no. But because that is important. We do catch back up with them. That's true. And we meet the, the rest of the people in this institution, which is mostly young mentally disabled people. Quite yeah. a lot of them have Down syndrome. Yes, many, many Down syndrome. Or that's what it appears to be, anyway. Most of them have Down syndrome. And it's weird. There's a Down syndrome couple making out. Oh, yeah. And I, I put here exploitive. Because they're just using all of these Down syndrome people. And it just it feels so uncomfortable. I wonder what you, do you know what year these, this is set in? Because it's not, doesn't seem like it's set even in the time the movie came out. No, it doesn't feel like it takes place in 89. No. I mean, there's motherfuckers wearing zoot suits. Yeah, there's a fucking apothecary later on. Yeah, this has got to be much earlier. And then the circus must have been, oh, it would have been even earlier than that. So we're talking probably, what, turn of the century and then into... Well, the trailer looks very modern. Oh, wait, they had cars. They were like 1950s-ish cars. They were old-ass cars. 40s-ish. So we're probably talking 40s, 50s, maybe early 60s here. Yeah. And um, so Phoenix is introduced to all these young, mentally disabled boys. And the caretaker there is like, you're all going to go see a movie that just we're going to reintroduce Phoenix into society right away. Yeah. And they all go to watch Robinson Crusoe. Actually, that would probably give us a hint about when this this takes place, doesn't it? Yeah. Right, let's see. Well, yeah, because they are like really old black and white lobby cards for the movie there. Not the 97 one. That's obviously not the case. 54. Yeah, that seems like it would work. So, so this would have been about 1954 in the present day and then whatever, 10 years, 15 years prior to that. Yeah. That makes sense. 40, 44, somewhere around there. Because they come up and there's like a dude in this like paper mache head and outfit who's like, hello, children, I'm Robinson Crusoe. Are you going to see my movie? Yeah. 
And the the orderly's like, well, the doctor, I guess, is like, me and my mother are going to synagogue, so we'll see you later. And then the orderly and the nurse are just making out in the in the van. That's right. So Phoenix and these uh, Down Syndrome kids, they just go in there and they get stopped by this pimp, played by Teo Jodorowsky. <laughs> and he's like, ah, you don't want to watch this movie. Movies brought your brain. Try this. And he gives them cocaine. He's like, try this coke. Which and, might have still been legal in 1954. I'm actually not sure. Yeah, and he gives them all this cocaine. And they're all dancing in the streets. And so he takes them to basically... Yeah, they're having a great time. Great time. And, um... No, because they're all, like, high on coke and going yeah, through this yeah. street festival to the Red Light District. Right. Why not? Where he takes their money to hook them all up with this this big sex worker. Yep. And he's like, more fun than movies, right? And they all go off, except for Phoenix. Phoenix doesn't follow them. No, he sees something uh, else. Yeah, he watches this huge samba dance number between the pimp and the tattooed woman. Yeah, he notices uh, uh, something important. Jogs his memory as he recognizes the tattooed woman. Oh, and there's one thing I forgot, is when they're all dancing in the street on their way here, some dude with a knife comes out to kill the pimp. And the pimp oh, just, yeah, like, just... punches him in the face, knocks him out, and this, like, crippled man with, like, these shriveled little legs crawls across the street and starts robbing the guy. Yeah, well, that's what the guy gets for trying to just come up and shank a guy. Yeah. And so we get, like, the day after, and the orderly is asking, uh, Phoenix, did you guys have fun last night? To which all the other boys are like, yeah, we had fun. Yeah, they did. And Phoenix is like, yep, yep, see, look, look at me, I do somersaults now. And he just jumps out the fucking window and climbs down because his mom's out there. Um, She just reappears, no arms, and she's like, come on, Phoenix, let's go. Then we have the the party district again at night, where the pimp brings these soldiers to see the the tattooed woman. Yeah. And they are all drunk as hell. Well, I mean, this is a a very interesting red light district we have here. Yeah, because there's a huge constant party. There's plastic, you know, candy skeletons everywhere. It's, I don't know if it's a festival or just a constant party on this street. But the tattooed woman takes them all, and there's... One of the soldiers, the big guy, which the subtitles always call him Big Man. You know, because we see a lot here that just say Big Man grunts. Oh, the tall guy? Yeah, he doesn't yeah. say anything. He's just like, uh, uh. He's this big Richard Keel-looking motherfucker. Yeah. And they're like, oh, what about his girl? Because apparently he likes him young. Yeah, we don't, how, I don't know how old she's supposed to be. Well, she's an adult, but she's very naive and childish adult. Right. Because she's got to be about the same age as Phoenix, and Phoenix yeah. is, is an adult. Phoenix is an adult, but she just has a very childlike look to her. And she's sleeping in bed, and the big man comes in, and... Well, the the lady first says, oh, she's a deaf mute, you can do whatever the fuck you want to her, and nobody will hear her. And he goes in, and he picks her up and starts cradling her like a baby, until she wakes up and panics. And he tries to rape her, but she takes his like liquor bottle and knocks him out yeah it breaks in traditional movie fashion even though if you hit him with something like that in real life it just gives him a fatty concussion that might yeah (laughs) she jumps out the window and just runs and she's caught up in this fucking parade and everybody's dancing around her and 
she goes up to this one guy trying to ask for help, and the dude just rips off his ear and tries to feed it to her. Yeah, I'm like, okay, Picasso. <laughs> and so she runs, and she just finds some dirty-ass blanket and sleeps on top of a semi. I don't know if that's a safer place. I saw a joyride. Well, she doesn't get in the semi. <laughs> she just sleeps on top of it. And um, the tattooed woman, she she gets another customer, but she, it's just we don't see who it is, but they kill the fuck out of her. Yeah, a, a nice swole shadow. The shadow looks super... Super swole. Yeah, and there's lots of knife cut, and she's just butcher peed it up. Much stabbing was done. And we get the next morning, Alma's running around the aftermath, where Big Man is passed out in the arms of a devil. Like this big, giant, you know, papier-mâché devil. Yeah, they had uh, quite the rager. There's yeah. a woman, like, breastfeeding... I don't even know. Like She's a, breastfeeding a skeleton. A skeleton doll, like baby doll. Like, they had a fucking rager. Yeah, and there's still, like, two people dancing to nothing, because there's not even music here. That is quite a bender. Yeah, and um, Alma sees that the tattooed woman's dead and just like, oh, well, thank God, I can move on with my life. Like, yep, you're free now. <laughs> and we... See Phoenix now with new look. He's freshly shaved. He's wearing the tux again, dressed like a magician. Yep, he's assembling the crew. Time yeah. to return to circusing. Because he finds he finds Aladdin, who's a little shoe shine man. We didn't bring up the fact that he did in fact meet up with his mom again. Yeah, we did. The mom did called we? him to bring it. Called him out. Yeah. Yeah. So he's with his mom, and then he passes Aladdin, and is like, Aladdin, let's go. And the lion's like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Phoenix, you son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> and, uh, so, Concha has this stage show where Phoenix stands behind her with his arms, like, through her sleeves and does this whole pantomime as she explains the creation of the world from the Bible. Right. And it's it's kind of it's really neat looking. Yeah. Uh, in the end credits, it says creation pantomime inspired by the work of Marcel Marceau. Okay, sure. So it's like, well, if you had to give him credit, then obviously this was totally Marceau's bit. Yeah, I'm not a huge, hugely familiar with Marcel Marceau's work, so I just know that he was a world famous mime. Yes. Probably the most famous mime of all time. Yeah, he gets a spoken line in Mel Brooks's silent movie. He speaks the only line. <laughs> Just kind of ironic, right? Yeah. And, you know, they do this beautiful show. There's a mariachi band is playing softly. And then she starts screaming about Universal Sin, and it turns into a livelier dance show, and... This is like a weird vaudeville thing. Yeah, this whole this is kind of a burlesque performance, I guess. This, yeah, uh, as we'll see more of in a second. Yeah, because Phoenix is backstage now, and there's this girl, Ruby, and she's dressed in this schoolgirl outfit, and she's got her arm out as the pimp is injecting her. Right. You know, I I suppose heroin. I don't know. That's that's my guess. Yeah. <laughs> And she's like, oh, Phoenix, uh, with your hands and my body, we could 
make quite the show. And she's like, meet me after, you know, tonight and we'll talk. And she goes on stage and does her show, which is another weird thing. Because now the set is like a classroom. Yeah. And she's sitting in a in a school desk being all sultry. Has some dude in a lavender tuxedo stands at the window and sings Besame Mucho. And uh, this is another time where I wish I understood Spanish. <laughs> There's no subtitles for the lyrics of the song. Well, Besame Mucho means kiss me a lot. Oh, okay. Um, actually, have you ever seen Naked Gun two and a half? Man, it's been a long time. Leslie Nielsen sings it in that movie. Oh. <laughs> you should look up that clip. Besame Mucho with Leslie Nielsen singing it. Because, well, I was in the hospital once when I got injured in New York. And the uh, rec room, because I was there for like a week, they only had two movies. Brewster's Millions and Naked Gun Two and a Half. I I think I know which one you picked. We we watched them both over and over again, so it's not like I picked one. I'm sorry you had to undo Brewster's Millions. And Naked Gun Two and a Half all the time. That's a lot. That's a lot of Naked Gun Two and a Half. Because nobody really wanted to watch TV. Columbine was happening at that time, so everything on television was depressing. Jesus, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was the same week that that happened. Fuck. That's a bad week for you. Yeah, and so we just watched Brewster's Millions and Naked Gun Two and a Half back to back over and over I again. Think, I definitely think I would take it over the rest <laughs> of the bullshit that was going on, the fresh hell that existed in real life. So she does her sultry dance and she strips and then she goes out to the audience where all these horny men are screaming and touching her and they rip off the rest of her clothes yeah a lot of a lot of thirsty dudes in the audience and she just like does like okay goodbye and she goes back and starts changing her costume when phoenix is like yeah i'm gonna take you up on your offer i'll meet you tonight yep so she's a burlesque thing going on yeah sure so he meets her after you know, she walks out onto the this empty stage, and he comes out in the fucking D-tier Evil Knievel costume. The fucking Orgo outfit. Ugh. And his hair is, like, dyed blonde now. Oh, no, yeah, it's fucking terrible. It hurts. Like, it, I'm, I'm getting a little sick just thinking about it. And she's like, oh, you're so sexy. And um, he's like, this is what our act is going to be. I'm going to throw these knives at you, and it's the exact act that he watched his dad and a tattooed woman do i mean i I said we would loop back around to this yeah this is his uh sexual repression (laughs) at work here and how do they keep finding these girls the knife fetish yeah and um he well no because he's really playing it up to her it's not that she's spontaneously doing it like the tattooed woman is He's like, I'm going to throw these knives, and he's just, like, touching her. He's like, and you're going to lick this one, and then I'm going to put one right here, and he's rubbing between her legs. So it's not necessarily the knife fetish. It's just that he's being intimate with her. And um, he hypnotizes her again. Yep. And it's some powerful hypnosis. It's very, very powerful hypnosis. 
Um, and that's when mom shows up and she's like, oh, no, Phoenix, this this horrible slut defiled you with her lust. And I'm like, no, she's Ruby's a virgin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I have I have doubts about that one. <laughs> that title. Yeah. And the mom's like, go ahead, kill her. He's like, no, I'm not going to kill her. Use my arms and my hands to kill him, her. And we see that he she has like this psychic control over him and can control his arms. Yeah. So she yeah. his arms are now her phantom limbs, apparently. Yes. And in some t- cases, her actual limbs when he like, stands behind her. Right. And so he throws the knives and like one right in her chest. And she's so hypnotized, she doesn't even flinch until the mom's like, OK, wake her up. And then she wakes up and she's like, oh, shit, I've been stabbed in the chest. And dies. And dies. And the mom's like, put her in the suitcase. Which is apparently just a giant fucking donkey costume that they take her home in. Yeah, it's like, apparently the the suitcase is the donkey costume. (laughs) They put her in this fucking donkey costume and take her home. And um, he's burying her and he paints her white. And he does like a little magic thing and turns her into like a big fucking goose or something that flies away. Yeah. It's too big to be a dove. The painting white thing makes a lot more sense later. I I hope so. I hope you'll explain when we get to there, because I didn't get it. Okay. Um, well, it made more sense to me later. But we get that now they're no longer performing with the, the vaudeville. Now they have their own nice house. And, you know, uh, Phoenix is having nightmares about the elephant. And seeing himself as the elephant. And also stigmata. I don't... Yeah. Oh, well, we get more of that later in the scene. Because the mom's like, ah, get up, get up. And she's making, just totally using his hands. He is just a drone, basically. Yeah. You know, and she's just eating breakfast and his hands are there. And, and she's just bringing him down. Like, you you suck, Phoenix. You're fucking stupid and terrible, you know. Let's go play the piano. And they played the Santa Sangre song. Yeah, I'm getting some Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker vibes here. Yeah, and he's not into the song. He just starts having these hallucinations of fucking chickens. <laughs> and that's... Yeah. We get Jesus standing in a barn being pelted with chickens. Yeah, lots of uh, random... Random foul in the uh, in the movie, and the mom's like, "Oh, your 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 hallucinations, Phoenix. Uh, you pay attention here." And they play another song, and it's like this sweet, nice song, and then they fucking kiss. Yeah. And Phoenix and Aladdin, in their free time, they do invisible man cosplay. Uh, apparently. <laughs> he dresses up as the invisible man with the the bandages on his face, and he makes some concoction and drinks it, and then takes the bandages off and is very, very mad that he's still there. Yeah, he wants to disappear. Yep. I don't blame him. (laughs) And he, like, leaves the room and the mom's like, oh, oh, did you fail again? You fucking worthless shit. (laughs) Yeah. And so he goes to the apothecary. Like, a literal apothecary. Yeah, random mobile apothecary. (laughs) This woman that's just in a trunk with all of these drugs. And she's like, oh, I've got your order. Here's mercury and other shit. And the apothecary lady likes them. And they set up a date. Which makes uh, Phoenix hallucinate again. 
about a big gigantic snake coming out of his pants to kill him. Totally not his penis. Oh yeah, totally not his penis. Totally not a symbol for a raging lust. Right. Not at all. And then there's this little parade goes by that's advertising. Oh, come see the saint, the world's strongest woman. I'm gonna change tapes before we get into the fucking saint. <laughs> yeah. Hello, people. I'm a real doctor, and I'm here today to tell you about hands. Yes, every person comes with hands attached to the ends of their arms. You can probably use them every day and can't imagine what life would be like without hands. But sometimes people lose them. They fall off or they get cut off. What do you do if you lose your hands? How do you live? Well, never worry, because I, a real doctor, has a solution just for you. I can provide you with someone else's hands. We get you some weak-willed soy boy to be your hands for you. Just wear the guy on you like some sort of backpack, and he puts his arms through your sleeves and does all the hand jobs for you. And don't worry about the guy not wanting to be your hands. Our boys doing these hand jobs have so many unresolved mommy issues for you to exploit, and you can control them however you want. So if you lost your hands, or just don't like using your hands, contact me, a real doctor, and we'll get a nice young man to do the hand jobs for you. Yeah, so the saint, the world's strongest woman, he goes to see her. Got some Lucha Libre going on. I mean, yeah. Cool. Lucha Libre is cool. Um, the saint is standing there in this, like, white gown, and these other luchadores are just smacking themselves against her. Like, they're all headbutting her and then falling to the ground like she's made of, you know, titanium. <laughs> yep. And the the wrestling promoter that's watching this is the pimp. That's <laughs> right. He wears many hats. Figuratively, he wears no hats in the movie. And he's got the big sex worker with him. And she's, like, giving advice, like, yes, this is very, very good here. People will like this. And then the saint takes the the big gown off and kicks everybody's asses and the saint you know she's she's pretty masculine a little bit a little bit um and i don't know what's going on with this because i'm like because it's it's clearly a male yeah pretty sure i'm pretty sure the actor is not trans that it's just a dude in you know drag that's dubbed over with a woman's voice i mean they got some some boobies yeah, but they're clearly plaster. Fake, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like clay breasts on her his, their chest. But the character is supposed to be a woman. Is actually a woman, yeah. Yeah. A, a masculine woman, but a woman. A very masculine woman. Phoenix bringing the big step-on-me-mommy energy. Mm-hmm. Which the saint likes. Yes. And the saint also likes that Phoenix has brought her plenty of alcohol. Saint loves some booze. And he's like, come see my magic show in my basement. Which she's she's drugged. She's like, sure, whatever. That sounds like it's a come on, but whatever. That's right. But no, he is indeed um, putting on a magic show. And he's like, oh, I like your big strong muscles, Saint, because you can fight me off. And the uh, more of that step on me, mommy energy. Uh, Yeah, he's his. Theater is, like, literally in, like, a cavern. Yeah. And it's really creepy. 
Aladdin is his assistant. He has some other name. Oh, yeah. Like Torgo or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can't remember what it was either. He's got... And he's like, I'm going to change this, this mummy into a hundred flying doves. That is a lot of doves. So he closes the mummy coffin, does the magic words, open it, and mummy has become mummy. That's right. Mummy has now become mummy. It's right. surprise mummy. That's right. And she's like, kill this woman, kill this, kill this woman. Use my arms. And Phoenix is begging the saint to break his arms. Right. He's like, please fight me. Break my arms. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, that's the whole reason he brought her. So he wanted her to break his arms. Because she's so big that maybe he could fight her off. Or fight him off, rather. And, and she does. She she beats him up. And she's like, you're fucking crazy. And starts to leave. And the mom's like, use the sword. So he grabs this random, like, samurai sword. Yeah, he's a random katana, which has nothing to do with the kind of Egyptian theme to his show. Why there's a random katana just, like, hiding off set? Who knows? And he kills the saint. Yep. And then has to bury her. And this is where we get the scene I think you were going to tell me about, because he paints her white, and then all these... All the women that he's murdered, which apparently is a lot... All right I think from they're all grace. supposed to be his brides. Oh, that's why they're all white. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Because when they kind of come up out of the grave, they look like they're in wedding dresses. Uh-huh. So I think he was painting them white, kind of representing them being, like, married to him. Again, more repressed, less shit. Yeah, and like every woman that he's killed, it's been as a response to his lust. Right. You know, his his raging hormones. And meanwhile, Alma's still kicking about. Yep, she's just kind of strolling through the city. Yeah, she sees an ad for Conscious Show, and she just recognizes Phoenix's hands for some reason. And tracks them down. And she goes there, and she dresses as a mime again. She's like, oh, look, it's a makeup table with clown paint. (laughs) Yeah, she uh, she sees something in the bed. By the way, the uh, house is looking a lot more dilapidated than, than before. Yeah, because we're seeing it through a different perspective. Yeah, uh, she walks in, a dove flies away, excited John Woo noises. Yes. <laughs> and um, so Phoenix comes in and he sees Alma. And he's like, oh, hooray, Alma, I, we found each other again. Concha enters in her Santa Sangre robes. Right. Because, the, oh yeah, they do have the fucking Santa Sangre shrine yes, still. they have a shrine there built in. And, um, and she's like, kill her, kill her. And Phoenix is fighting her with all of, all of his energy. And the fucking apothecary lady pops her head in. Because apparently their date was that night. Yep. And she's like, Mr. Phoenix, Mr. Phoenix, and he fucking throws a knife at her and she's like Mr. Phoenix no he runs away screaming for help she bails yeah um yeah Phoenix manages to to win out and stab his mother and he's like get out of my life disappear which she literally does because turns out it's all in his head because he's completely fucking broken after you know watching the murder murder-suicide of his parents, and here's sexual oppression. 
Yeah, because it shows a real quick memory of when they rescued him from the trailer as a kid, and his mom was dead. <laughs> yep. She did not make it. And the clowns fucking show up. The clowns are there now for no reason. Those fucking clowns. Well, there's a reason. But... There is a reason, but at first it's like, did Alma bring the clowns? What the fuck? Right. And, um, you know, Phoenix is hugging the clowns going, my mommy is dead. And the clowns, they do all their fucking clown shtick, and they sing around as Alma points out to Phoenix that, hey, this house is a fucking wreck. It's not this nice house. It's, like, abandoned. Also, take a look in the bed. Yeah, um, and it's like this mannequin of his mother. Yeah, he made a fucking puppet of his mom. And it's all Norman Batesy as hell. Yeah. And we get shots of him doing all the stuff with his mother, but it's just him and the puppet. Yeah, it's just him and a puppet. And no piano, actually, in the scene. We just see that he's pretending to play on a piano with a puppet. Yeah, there was no piano in this beat ass Because his place is super dilapidated. Yeah, he's like living in an abandoned house. Yeah, that mom's been dead. He's just been dancing with a puppet. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're talking about the puppet. So the clowns coach him through coping. And they, they, they count down and laugh as he throws the puppet out the window. In a scene that kind of mirrors the... uh the elephant getting yeeted into the quarry. Mm-hmm. And then they tear down the, the shrine and uh, they burn up, you know, the, the Santa Sangre idol. Right. And then almost like, okay, let's go. And they go outside and the police are there. Probably the apothecary got him. Yeah. And Alma puts her hands up right away and it's like, you know, Phoenix, put your hands up. Yeah. And the, Phoen- the cops are like, Put up your hands, and Phoenix is like, my hands, my hands, you know, and he puts his hands up, and he's so happy that he has his hands back. And that he'll spend the rest of his life in an asylum. Yes, for killing all of these women. Like 20 women. (laughs) And it ends with some, like, Bible quote from Psalms about, I reach out my hands to you, God, or something like that. Right. And I'm like, oh, God. Some and that, preachy thing, but... And that's the end of that movie. Yep. It's pretty insane. It's good, though. It is good. Yeah, um... It's not as totally off-the-wall as Joe Dorowski's earlier films. This one you can watch and understand what's going on. Yep. That's why this one's a little more accessible than... El Topo and Holy Mountain. I always say I was I was saying to my brother I was telling telling Alexis earlier that uh, this is kind of like like if you look at David Lynch movies it's kind of like Blue Velvet. There's some yeah. weird shit you can tell what's going on. Yeah, a lot like Blue Velvet. Very very much like Blue Velvet. Um, and yeah, very Lynchian. It's a good movie exploitive to be sure <laughs> those poor down syndrome kids i know well that was very exploitive chodorowsky's <laughs> earlier work is filled with amputee dwarves like everywhere that are real <laughs> that is a that is a thing yeah 
I mean, their limbs get cut off too. I, yeah. Yeah. What is the uh, the missing limb thing? Yeah, and that's the whole focus of this movie. Yeah. Well, I think this movie's themes are more of um, like putting the the childhood past behind. Well, you know? yeah, and also just fucking completely broken person. Yeah, but it is a great movie still. It's certainly unique. I think the writer said that, or the co-writer said that they that they uh, wanted to make a like a serial killer where you felt more bad for the serial killer than the, his victims. Uh, you certainly do feel bad for Phoenix throughout this. Yes, yeah, he's completely fucked up. Like he's got no chance. Yeah, well, because for the most part of the movie, you think he has no control. Right, and he kind of doesn't. No. He's trapped in his own fucking head. Yeah. Um, his mom is controlling him from beyond the grave, but it's like his memory of his mother. Right. And this is what we, we decided in 1954, so, I mean, if you thought the mental health system was bad now. Yeah. Apparently, they, back then, they would just drop you off at Robinson Crusoe and then make out in the van while you snorted you, cocaine with a pimp. That's right. So, yeah, he kid had no chance. No. Yeah, and it's not like his childhood was better, where he was a circus performer for crazy people. Yep. But next week... I mean, his father was a disgusting murderer to begin with, so... Oh, he was. Guy Stockwell is the guy's name. Yeah, I think he was like in a bunch of Western shit, wasn't he? Well, he was the voice of Prince Charming in Snow White, the Disney Snow White. He is this is, the... Is this back-to-back is this weeks we've had... Like Disney, like golden age Disney voice actors playing random voices and characters in exploitation film. He's the older brother of Dean Stockwell. <laughs> ah, good old Dean Stockwell. Yeah, so he was the voice of Prince Charming, right? You said. Yep. And uh, we had the lady last week who was the voice of uh, the 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 woman, the wife in 101 Dalmatians, did the voice of the. Uh, the zombie woman. Um, yeah, he did do a lot of westerns. Bonanza, Tombstone, The Virginian. <laughs> <laughs> so random. Yeah. That's Hollywood, though, I guess. Um, he died of complications from diabetes, apparently. Oh, we'll see him again. He's in It's Alive. It's not on the schedule yet, but we are definitely doing that movie someday. I'm sure there are many movies... That we will get to someday. <laughs> Not many with him, though. <laughs> no. I don't think we're going to cover too many westerns. I mean, some, Well, we will. But not... but spaghetti westerns, not necessarily American westerns. Not not really American westerns, no. No. Um, but next week, we are doing Spaceploitation. We're These doing... are going to be fun. Yep, we are doing uh, Star Wars ripoffs. Uh... Star Crash with fucking the Hoff in it. Love me some Hoff. Yep. And we're going to do our bonus episode of Moonraker, the James Bond movie. Uh, yep. I like uh, I like this one. Roger Moore is the best Bond. Come at me. Oh, we'll talk about that next week then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got my thoughts about that. 
<laughs> it depends on what you like from your Bond movies. So <laughs> I get the feeling uh, Alexis and I have different desires from our Bond films. <laughs> yes. And that's what we're doing next week, Spaceploitation. We will catch you then. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.